The door was open, the lights inside still burning. No surprises there. In both previous cases, the killer had left the lights on and the door ajar, inviting the unwary to step inside and inspect his handiwork. One of those who had accepted the invitation was now undergoing psychological therapy. The other was making arrangements to move out of state. Three brick steps lifted Delgado to the doorway. A tiled foyer carried him into a clean, upscale living room. The room was empty, the house vacated until the arrival of the forensics unit. Breathing through his mouth, Delgado approached the middle of the room, where a woman's naked body was sprawled supine on the richly stained, mirror-lustrous oak floor in a tangle of limbs. Near it lay a torn and crumpled nightgown. A yard from the corpse, Delgado stopped. He studied the body. At the corner of his sight wavered a displaced strand of hair, bobbing over his temple. Unconsciously, he smoothed it back, blending it with the jet-black skull cap of hair pasted to his scalp. He let his hand slide over the curve of his head to the nape of his neck, where he felt the hard, bony knobs of spinal vertebrae. He massaged them slowly. With a small start, he became aware of what he was doing. Irritated, he thrust both hands into his jacket pockets, then briskly closed the distance between himself and death. He squatted, leaning over the corpse. His stomach twisted. No doubt, a youngster like Stanton thought the veteran cops took this kind of thing with equanimity. They did not. Nobody could. Nor did Delgado want to. A man who could look at this horror and feel nothing was a man capable of murder himself. He steadied himself, then set to work on an examination of the body. Strictly visual, hands off. The victim, he estimated, had stood 5-4. She was trim, her muscles well-toned. Age? 34 would be a reasonable guess. Elizabeth Osborne? Had to be. He looked at her bare feet, the white beds of her toenails. Settled blood bruised the knobs of her ankles— her naked legs were twisted and splayed. Vaginal swabs, Delgado knew, would reveal traces of semen. This man had his fun with the women he killed. Slowly his gaze traveled up Elizabeth Osborne's groin, her belly, her chest. Her skin was darkly livid, mottled in purple. All visible signs of hypostasis indicated that the body had not been moved— Osborne either had fallen or had been dropped on this spot. With his index finger, Delgado touched the skin between her collarbones. It was cool, but not yet stone cold. Her left forearm had fallen across one of her breasts, as if in a futile gesture of modesty. A band-aid encircled her thumb. Perhaps she had cut herself with a kitchen knife. The small detail seemed poignant, the band-aid incongruous on this body. The woman's right arm lay outstretched on the floor. In that hand, pressed between her fingers, was a small clay statuette. Delgado had hoped never to see one of those statues again. Drawing a quick, shallow breath, he looked away from the corpse. Suddenly he was tired. He rubbed his eyes, then pressed his fingertips to his high, unlined forehead, feeling the hard bone beneath the yielding flesh. 
He let his hand drop to his cheekbones, high and saturnine, then to his narrow, angular chin. He thought of the bony architecture of his face, the zygomatic arch, the maxilla and mandible, the eye sockets and occipitals, terms he'd often used in his analysis of bullet tracks and knife punctures and shattering hammer blows, but which he'd rarely imagined applying to himself. If the skull was the symbol of leering death, he thought randomly, then mortality could be glimpsed in any mirror. With effort, he shook loose of those thoughts. He focused his attention on Elizabeth Osborne's home, trying to get a feel for the woman's lifestyle and financial circumstances. Though the house was modest enough, only a single story, perhaps twelve hundred square feet, and hardly new, Delgado knew it had been expensive— In this part of town, even a stucco box like this one would run $300,000 and up. Mortgage payments of two grand a month easily. Either Osborne had been doing well in her real estate sales, or she'd been heavily in debt, living on her credit cards and charge accounts. These days, the latter was more likely. Delgado's gaze ticked restlessly across the living room. A white oval throw rug, creamy as a puddle of spilled milk, lay on the hardwood floor under a glass cocktail table with chrome-plated legs. Other glass tables were scattered around in an artful illusion of disorder. Glass surfaces, Delgado knew, were unusually receptive to latent prints. There would be plenty of tented arches and radial loops to occupy the scientific investigation division. But whatever prints the evidence technicians found would belong to Elizabeth Osborne, whose fingers would be printed for comparison, or to her boyfriend, if she'd had one, or to a cleaning woman, somebody, anybody, not the griffin.